Hey guys, welcome back to the Green Room Talks. Episode three is gonna center around the current climate of the world in ways in which each one of us may be processing it and how we can begin to collectively heal from it. I will be talking to my friend, Melanie Smith, AKA Polly A, who is an incredible songwriter and also just an amazing overall creative. Also to Keisha White, who's also just so inspiring and um, I'm just really looking forward to this conversation. Again, for anyone who didn't tune into the last episode, The Green Room is a partnership between the Jed Foundation and She Is The Music. And this special episode will also be a partnership with Music Forward. Music Forward is a nonprofit in a Live Nation family. They transform young lives, inspire careers, and champion a more inclusive music industry. And I have a link in my bio to donate, so please donate anything you feel like you can to both the Jed Foundation and to Music Forward. Hey guys. Hey. Hi. Welcome to the green room. Thank you for having me. I have a green chair. I have a green chair, even though this doesn't look green, but it is green. So I believe you. (laughs) Um, Man, what a freaking crazy couple weeks. Crazy couple weeks. I'm so happy you guys could be here, honestly, just because I think. This is so important to, you know, just talk about it with friends and just be completely open. Um, So before we started, I just kind of wanted to, you know, obviously introduce you guys. This is Melanie Smith, a.k.a. Paulier. Hi. Keisha White, um, an amazing therapist. And you guys will, you will see as we move forward with the conversation. Um, So obviously, normally, you know, we have Jed Foundation, which is obviously something you guys are familiar with. This is like, um, it's a nonprofit for mental health. So as always, I have a donation link after that you guys can give back to the Jed Foundation for mental health. And then um, She's the Music is obviously a part of this. So obviously, you know, I always say this, this is my forever mantra, but I'm female forward. So there we go. And then Music Forward is the new nonprofit that we have attached to the green room, which is something that Melanie, aka Polly A, works on. Um, so or works with. So I, I'm actually going to go ahead and just read a little brief that, that just gives you guys an idea of what Music Forward is. Just so you know, I'm actually going to be reading it. Um, So Music Port is a national nonprofit inside the House of Blues and Live Nation family with the mission to transform young lives, inspire careers, and champion a more inclusive music industry. Their programs focus on providing free opportunities to underrepresented youth, young women, and youth of color to pursue their dream of a career in the music industry, both on and off the stage. Their artist development and um, career development pathways include panels, workshops, and performance opportunities, which Polly A helps with. So I don't know if yeah. you want to, do you want to sort of elaborate on that? Well, yeah, yeah. Essentially, you know, we create entry points into the music, um, the music business, you know, the music industry. We, we're, sh- you know, our mission is to shape the, the a vision of the music industry that we want to see, right? You know, these are, we work with young artists. Our target demo is 12 to 22. And, essentially it's the future of the music industry. So we want to play our part in making sure that we're creating and shaping and, and, and helping to shape, um, you know, a, a, just a more inclusive industry than, than what we, we see currently. Um, yeah. that, that's our mission. That's our goal through, like, like you said, workshops, various activations, um, open mics, performance opportunities, yeah. It's, it's across the, the gamut. We're, we're just here to, to support our young artists um, and, and create a, a better, 
again, more inclusive world in that space. Which is why I, I thought this would be perfect to include you guys in this, just because I, you know, obviously there's so many people that want to pursue, obviously pursue their dreams. And, and I think that this is, you guys have an amazing platform for that, and especially with someone like you that has the experience that you have. I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's cool to have place, places where kids can feel comfortable to ask questions. Yeah. And I think especially now it's like, we're learning as the world is coming together in this, you know, obviously in this heavy negative way, but I'm hoping to, it will eventually create positivity for these reasons. Cause I think that we're learning things about each other that we didn't know before. Do you know what I mean? And I think that in that case, it's like, maybe some kids out there are like, wow, I didn't realize I could ask Melanie or Jenna or Takesha. Like I, I didn't know that I could even have the strength or confidence to ask them to help me with this or this simple question that I may feel stupid asking, but now they feel comfortable asking which is yeah. honestly so cool. And I think in that sense, this, that's sort of how I'm looking at this whole experience that 2020 is giving us. So I think, you know, I'm trying to look at it in a positive light, you know? So anyway, today I just thought, you know, more than anything, I wanted to just act as a listener and, you know, talk to you guys about your experiences and just certain things that you think that this is making you feel as well as things that we can do to give back. And just like, you know, just kind of where you guys are at, to be honest, like, I just want to be able to, you know, go past an awareness and really create a real change, you know? So I think that that's hugely important. And I just want to see how we can, us as artists can facilitate that and make real change or encourage healing, you know? So I don't know. I think that honestly, well, first of all, let me start to Keisha as well. Why don't you say a little bit about what you do? Hey, so I am a uh, social worker by training which means that I'm trained in how to support communities and organizing towards um, goals for development, for health, for mental health, um, for rebuilding, reconstruction, whatever, whatever kind of like work an organization or community wants to do for themselves. Um, and we center the desires of the group or person and their strengths. And I'm also She froze. I know, she froze. <laughs> Am I frozen? Yeah, you're frozen. You're back now, though. What did you say? Okay. You also what? Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm in the I'm in the cat skills. Can you guys hear me? We can hear you. You're okay. in there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, so I, I'm trained to be able to listen to folks, how they're thinking, yeah. and support them in their thinking and feelings to reach their goals um, to heal from trauma, from past hurts, to mm -hmm. reconnect with family, um, to establish themselves inside of their careers or inside of their education, um, even inside of their communities as leaders or their fields. Um, and so I've done a lot of work internationally, which is my, was, was the, you know, really the arc of my training is to to work across the world. So I've worked in um, Botswana, Zimbabwe, South Africa, China, Israel, um, of course, the United States and across the, across the United States. So from, you know, New York City, Massachusetts, down south, Mississippi, <laughs> um, all over the country, LA, just traveling the country to be a support to young people, primarily people of color, women, um, and folks of all identities in, in the intersections of, of the marginalized um, 
of the United States, pretty much, and the world. Um, and in, uh, across the world, I do focus on very marginalized communities, so folks who are living in, um, in refugee camps, people who are living in poverty, or folks who have been trans, um, trans um, moved from one place to another in, in hope of sanctuary and, and um, safety. So for example, when I was working in Israel, I was working with the Ethiopian immigrants who wow. are Ethiopian, Ethiopian Israelis. And you're able to really see how racism is, has like completely poisoned the entire world. Um, but yeah, so I've worked in all of these different spaces and very vulnerable, but very strong populations. Oh my God. So what, I'm just curious. So from your perspective, being that you obviously focus so much on this, just on an everyday level, what do you, what do you feel about what's going on? And like, do you feel like what you're seeing now does feel like we're headed towards something positive or like, what's your perspective on everything? I mean, I have, my perspective is like extreme gratitude and um, deep appreciation for the hard work that has gotten us to a point where we are now, all of the many years of activism and protest um, policy and technology that has gotten us to a very highly visible and intolerant place for racism and white supremacy. It is very unique to be in a space where we are now, where in a matter of one day, you know, a woman, a white, a woman who is like soaked in, you know, white supremacist superiority complexes could um, go from potentially threatening and ending a man's life in a, in a bird watching <laughs> park to being fired by her institution or put on leave by her institution oh. and um, publicly corrected. That kind of thing is like, to me, that's a, that speaks to so much progress. So yeah, there's a lot, I feel a lot of hope for where we are. Okay. Um, also, there's a way broader understanding of mental health. Folks talk about it more. Folks are more willing to talk about depression and anxiety, trauma, post-traumatic stress. Um, so to me, we're in a very beautiful space in terms of the collective becoming. Um, and we're all really moving in that direction, painfully, eagerly, um, and with a lot of hope. Yeah, I mean, this actually is making me think, so with that, all that anxiety, do you think that like these positive feelings um, and like the anxiety that we have can influence our music. You think? I feel like for me, it it's so interesting because I've been thinking about it and it's so hard. I mean, I'll just answer that first. I was going to go to Polyer, but I feel like in that, as much as it may be, you know, obviously something that feels positive, it's just so much that sometimes in music, it's like, it's hard to like even comprehend how to sort of put it in words to put it out there. So I think music is healing and I'm sort of trying to figure out how I want to relay that message, message through my own music, but I'm curious, Melanie, do you, how are you, do you feel like it's something that you feel like is releasing anxiety for you through music now, or is it, how are you relating to it in terms of your music? Um, yeah, I think that, you know, black music has a long history of, uh, of, alchemizing pain into into song. Um, I think that's something we've seen since the beginning <laughs> of of this recorded history that we have, this oral oral uh, history that we have through music. And you know, as a as a descendant of that, it's very imperative and always has been a platform that I've chosen to use to express 
you know, my feelings about what's happening and, you know, um, my alliance with the, the, the leaders and, the, and the, the fighters out there and the front line making, you know, making these changes happen. And I mean, that's sort of what's been, you know, where I feel like I fit in the grand scheme. Um, as a musician, as an artist, I feel like it's always been my duty to, to express, you know, that piece through, through song, because again, music has the ability to really inspire and change and activate people in a way that no other art form can. I agree. So I feel no, like I all artists, you know, responsibility, no matter what background you have, if you feel it, if you see it, it's your responsibility to tell the stories because that's who we are. We're the storytellers, mm -hmm. you know, we're the ones that can, can shape the, the minds and the, and the, the actions of, of the larger community. So absolutely. It's crazy. It's so funny. It's like music does have the ability to, to really unite people rather than divide people, honestly. Yeah. Just like it's, it's it's crazy, but it's just it's it's the kind of thing and it's the kind of situation where I think it's so emotional and so such a real subject that like because you know I mean when it comes to writing it's sometimes it's like okay yeah you're just like you know as a songwriter every day you're writing so it's like but with this kind of thing and these kind of real real issues I think that to put those words to it's just a lot for me the way that I like I feel like if I'm gonna write a song about it I need to like every part of it has to feel completely connective because I just as a songwriter myself it's like every song you know you don't love and every song you don't feel connected to so this particular subject is just something where you know you go through the history of songs that I feel have really touched people whether it be like Marvin Gaye or Donny Hathaway or like yeah and I'm like wow you imagine that copyright and what it's done for people yeah you like think about that like a change gonna come like those kind of songs have like oh, I mean, they've changed people without people even knowing it's changed them. Do you know what I mean? So to think that you're going to write that kind of song for the next person that will change that person, it's like, it's a lot of pressure, but in, in the same, that it's in a way that kind of gives you anxiety, honestly. Like, <laughs> as much as it's a positive thing, and I get it, I'm just saying writing those kind of songs, it just feels like, again, it's something that almost can't come from you, it has to come from something bigger. You know what right. I mean? No, I think I, now, this is not, I'm not a, I don't, I mean, I write songs, but I'm not like you guys, right? <laughs> so, but I think what you, I think there's that pressure comes from, for some folks, it's not, it's, it's not a pressure, like, just like with speaking or, or, or poetry, you're releasing ancient, like, wisdom, you're releasing deep, like, um, beautiful message that is coming from your truth. So yeah. it's coming out in a way that is so natural because this is what you're living every day. And right. I think one of the things that might be necessary, especially for white people to think about, is to tell your story from your perspective with the guilt, the, the pain, the, the fear that you're feeling and release it in a way that allows people to get true access to the to the anxiety, to, to the source of the anxiety that you might be feeling. So it's like, if you, so it's like, it's kind of challenging. Folks want to, you know, you want to stand up and be like, I want to fight for this. I want to be, exactly. I want to, you know, I want to see justice, but then you also want to reveal the, the intricacies of how racism has been 
spoon fed to you. You want to reveal the intricacies of how white supremacy is, is potentially rotting parts of your soul and creating difficulty for you to express what you truly feel and like the love that you might truly have or the equity that you might truly want to see. And it's from, it's speaking from that raw, uh, that raw, um, authentic space that no one else has access to. As a Black woman, I don't have access to any of those stories. I don't have access to, to that conflict, to that natural tension. Yeah. I don't have that. But there's something there for someone, for us to be able to hear, to understand. You know, to me, that's true allyship. Like, tell the truth. Like, what is happening? And a lot of times for me, you know, we'll, uh, Black people will talk about white people like, they are the most strangest concept of, of creation in the world, even though there's no people on earth that know white people better than black people. Right. So it's, it's like a, such an interesting wow, that's kind great. of conundrum because it's this dichotomies of being that white people live within that we don't get access to because it's such a tricky concept, you know, to believe in supremacy or to be treat, trained to believe supremacy. That is really tricky. And I think it's a concept that we, I mean, folks get to talk about. People get to, people really get to expose. Artists get to expose and tap into in a way that, um, like you said, could be married to rhythm and, and tone and um, training that, um, that meaning artistic and musical training that um, could really reach folks and help to dislodge lies, fear, you know, um, judgment um, <laughs> that, that folks may not even know is there. You know, it's really funny that you just said that judgment. That was my next question I was going to ask you because my thing coming from my perspective, writing a song like that, my first thought would be like, I don't want to say anything, even though I don't meet it in my truth. And that is true because I, I like that you said that because any, I am the same believer. I think when you speak from truth, there's, you can do no wrong. Do you know what I mean? Because it's your truth. So I feel like that has to be, it's like, that's only yours. And if that's genuinely how you feel, then that's, that's what it is. But having said that, it's like, it's tough because even if you want to say something super pure of heart, you still don't want it to come across in a certain kind of way. But that's the society that we live in. And that's what we don't want. We don't want people to feel judged. We want more we want people to come together and feel more accepting, right? So I'm trying to figure out, like, listen, at the end of the day, I think we're all aware that these are baby steps. And this is the, this seems to be the biggest step towards real change that there has ever been. But having said that, you can't, you know, it's like me, us three right here, as much as we try and we manifest, and we may be more powerful in our own souls and in the, in the ability to be able to connect, connect to a larger power. It's like, you know, there's a huge world out there. And it's, there's a lot of people that, we, you know, that I think that need to be changed in terms of their, their thought process. So I guess my thing is, is like, that would be my concern is, is like, you know what I mean? In terms of, of writing a song from a certain perspective, in terms of the way that you just said it, I feel like people, there's, there's definitely, it could be or misunderstood. Do you know what I mean? I guess I would say there's a, there's a privacy in therapy. There's a confidentiality in therapy right. that, um, that is sacred, you know? And so, I mean, I, I don't know. I just remember when I first met Melanie, she had this amazing journal and it was filled with poetry, with things that she had turned into song. It was filled with pictures, 
not everything was for public consumption. Not everything was to be, be released. Okay. But it was uncensored, and it was, and it gives you access to, and it gave her access to the to the um, secrets within her soul that she couldn't really articulate, you know, unless she was going with the flow, unless she was in stream of consciousness, right? So when we're in therapeutic spaces, I encourage people. I'm like, tell me, speak, like, let the the most disgusting thing that is on your mind that's right now that you're trying to censor, please let it out. If I can get access to that thought. I can re I can find the root. I can go down and find out, you know, where where was the where's the seed? Where did this come from? Where did it start? I can help you travel down your timeline to find out who first said that to you. How did it become lodged into your spirit, into your mind? How did it become a part of your automatic? That's that's a process that you get to go through as artists and create safe spaces. And then of course I know folks will do the work to if you're looking to release something, you would do the work to release something that you might feel that is available and ready and that you're ready to release so that you could be standing in your own truth powerfully and experience whatever critique because it's going to be critiqued either way um come your way but then also experience that experience that cathartic and catalytic change that'll come forth from your natural honest most explorative um expression Wow, that's like honestly, you give me goosebumps. <laughs> I just like you're, you're, you. It's so true what you said in terms of finding the the seed, the seed. Like I just think, oh, that's so powerful because it is true. It's the it's the same way. It's the reason why manifesting and like meditating and all these kind of things are so powerful and work if you can really connect. And this is, I feel like I say this every day, which is my mantra, I guess. You know, um, but no, I definitely think saying these words and actually putting them on a piece of paper or actually saying them out loud or whatever you're feeling really communicate, like really, um, like really makes you identify with the feeling more because if you think about it, right. And it just is a thought that just leaves, you're kind of like, whatever. But if you say it out loud or you write it down, it's like, Oh wait, no, I feel that. Do you know what I mean? And it's just a crazy, you're so right in terms of being therapeutic, which is why honestly writing music is, so powerful and I and I do you described it so perfectly I mean I think at the same time you know I think the thing that I was trying to say is that when you when you find something that feels that real even if it isn't publicly released if it's just you writing it let's say right if you when you find something that feels so real it's like I will just sit there and sob to myself happy or sad tears you know what i mean it's like one of those things where it's like you you almost it's like this feeling where you're like oh oh my god i can't believe it and that's what i mean it's like i think as a creative it's like we're so lucky to be able to feel things so much larger and i'm not saying everybody doesn't have the ability to do that but i think that it's um it's something that you have to tap into and be very aware of so when you're sitting there with your truth it's like you're able to be like wow like I, like when you feel it it's like this thing i always use the avatar as an example when they connect it's like yeah. this, you're like it's physics it's like you feel it all up and down your body and that's when i think it really connects and i think if you feel that that energy will then potentially go to some another human being because that's how we we exchange energy like that's that's what human beings do right and this is this is a point that i was discussing with um polyay last week is that i feel like this is even that we don't know what we're doing if we have that level of thought manifestation i feel like that will provoke change 
Do you know what I mean? Because I feel like in terms of like feeling something and I, you may catch that wave. You may be like, oh my God, I felt that. And you don't know why, but you feel that. And you're like, and that's what humans can do to actually change their the thought patterns of other humans. Yeah. So I just find that so interesting. But um, by the way, I wanted to just take this second to, somebody said, I could literally listen to Takesha talk for hours. Um, <laughs> so can I. Um, I wanted to open up the chat and um, if anybody has any questions for anyone, please please feel free to put it in the chat. But, um, but anyway, so I, I just wanted to see if like, is there any interesting stories in the last couple of weeks that you feel anybody has come to you or any, like, I'm just interested to see if like people that you've worked with or anything that you're comfortable talking about, but um, maybe has reacted to this whole situation happening that you, for the positive or negative or anything. Like, I'm just curious about, you know, from before to after, like if you've personally experienced people that are in your life that you're like, wow, like I'm sure that you have. You're talking to me? Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't mean to sound, uh, anyway, look. Don't sound whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, look, every time something like this happens, <laughs> um, there, there, there's this open conversation, this recognition that, can, that that comes forward and they, there's this phrase that I hear that can be extremely um, deafening in fact it almost feels like a sonic boom in my ear okay it's this I didn't realize you know I didn't realize how serious it was and you know I, I, I didn't realize how difficult it was to be a black person and and so you know there's a oh, because wow. of um, I, I've speak about these things these concepts of that, that's called vicarious trauma um, vicarious trauma is essentially when you, as an advocate or um, a witness or someone who is even observing a, a, tra a traumatic experience, so it could be a murder, it could be a crime, it could be a flood, yeah. it could be just something that is of crisis, yeah. um, you can experience it in your body, you can even experience it within your, um, within so much within your DNA that you can pass that, tra that trauma on to some, to, to your offspring, to your children unborn. Wow. Um, Really? So you're constant. So because of the images that are constantly being, you know, kind of like flooding our social media and our news and our media outlets, um, you're constantly re-traumatized, right? And for me, as a black woman and as a mother, um, I find myself being in a space where I've created, like, not necessarily what I would call thick skin, but some form of like armadillo shell that is a that is like allow that allows for me to like to kind of sustain and withstand the the um the attack of a word of, of a of a term or, or of somebody saying something like i didn't realize how hard it was for black people or i didn't you know wow this is so devastating and i can't believe things like that happened to me that sounds so um it could it, it sounds it sounds so um fraudulent <laughs> um it 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 like it it like um it sounds it, it sounds so plastic so fake so fraudulent right right and i and i have and i withstand and then i find myself withstanding it so i'm sitting there like doing this <laughs> like 
trying to withstand this momentary discomfort for for like a well-meaning quote-unquote white person where in my body my my whole flesh is like how in the whole world have you not seen that this is a problem it reminds me of the of the jane elliott uh the moment that she asks a a group of white participants if if they would ever want to trade places in society with black stand up if you'd want if you'd want that and no one stands up and so she's like well, then clearly you know that this is happening, you know? So what, if, if no one would want to change size, what, what are we going to do about it? Why is it okay for this group, but not your own? That reminds me of that. Yeah, or like this white man who was being arrested once on, on um, it was on the news and you hear him saying, you're treating me like I'm a black person. And um, it was like some guy who was being, you know, just retained or detained in a, um, in a public space and he's screaming like, you're treating me like I'm a black person. It's this, it's, it's this like, it's so clearly the the way folks kind of like, it's so clearly the escalator that you're like, you can't, don't pretend, <laughs> like, you know? And then the moment it's like, at, it's revealed, like, this is not an escalator, these are people's bodies. Then it's like, oh my gosh, this is, I totally thought this was an escalator. <laughs> oh my <What>? God. <laughs> you're like, they're like, we should talk about this. You're like, and so to me, I just, you know, I, I used to be in those forums and I want to be like, raise my hand and talk. And I find myself withstanding it and being like, I'm going to hold this, I'm going to hold this in. And this is something I'm going to teach my children. Yeah. I'm going to talk about this with them in a way that, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you access to this transformative power that's within me to this to this amazing resi- resilience that's within me. I'm not going to give you access to that in this moment. So I'm going to let you sit there dumbfounded by your own actions. Then I'm just going to smile at you <laughs> because you, you don't get access to my, you don't get access to my superpower right now. You know? Yeah. I mean, I totally know. I mean, so Polly, what do you, how do you feel like it's affected you? I mean, obviously I'm sure in, in many ways, but I actually was going to call Keisha <laughs> because I, I I know I talked to you about it a little bit, but I've been experiencing vertigo um, for the past, yeah, for the past, like, well, it was like two days in a row. And then this morning it came back. It was like two days, you know, maybe like three days ago, and then it went away. And then this morning I experienced it again. And then as I was speaking to various like friends, they were telling me that, oh, that's happening to me too. Like, you know, and I, I don't, I don't really know what that is. I don't really know. I've never experienced vertigo before. I just wake up and the whole room is spinning. Um, But I, you know, I do think that it has to do with like the PTSD of, again, just seeing all these images over and over. And this is not, you know, this is people, I've heard people say like, oh my gosh, this is crazy what's happening right now. It's like, for us, this has been happening. This is a constant thing. This is something that at this point, we're like Groundhog's Day, like, we've been this isn't new and it was almost like for me this was just the the tipping point it was like okay now we've tried every way we tried to kneel peacefully we tried this way we tried that way we did the protest it's like that doesn't work so um i think what is happening is not a surprise to our community like we're all just like well (laughs) It eventually had to be at the front door because we tried every other way and that was never the right way to do it. So none of us are surprised. We're actually just like, finally, finally, we need to do something that's actually gonna 
jolt people to respond because we cannot continue this way. No. It cannot go on this way for everybody involved. And I think that what I've been saying, you know, through various conversations that I've been having with all of my friends, whatever their background be, um, may be, I, I've been saying like, this is the time that as a world community, as a national community, that everybody has to hold up the mirror and sort of get an assessment of what they're doing that's upholding the system because everybody is responsible in some way. You know, everybody's, this is not like a, this person problem, that person problem, everybody in it that's living in this world, that's living in this system has been used, every non-black person has been used as a pawn of this system in some way. And so whether it's through not speaking up when you see that a whole community is being denied loans that you're being given <laughs> very easily, whether it's through redlining, whether it's through <coughs> systematic practices that have been abundant since the beginning of time that everybody either knows about and doesn't do anything or doesn't even take a step to learn about it. It's like people want to live in blind ignorance because it, it suits them, you know? And, and, and that's something that I get. I understand that because I, I can see how somebody might choose that because it's like, oh, at least it's not happening to me. And that, that sentence right there is the reason why it's existed for so long. It's like, I can be an anti-racist, but I won't take the step further and say, well, no, this can't happen to this person if it's not. No, this can't, this can't happen. It's, most people are like, I'm anti-racist, um, but it's not happening to me. So, you know, like, eh, I'll just like kind of passively involve myself. I'll go to the protests, I'll, I'll, I'll post about it, but I, I'm not really doing anything to actively change it because I low-key don't want it to benefit me not yeah I, I wanted to keep receiving the benefits of what the system has to offer me and i think this is the time where it's like yeah we can't do that anymore because the whole thing has to be reassessed and re reapproached in order for us to move forward as a community as a world as a as a national community on any level um and i think that's going to be the hardest work um for people I think you have to, you get to think about this, like what you just said. Um, there's, when you're, when you're experiencing trauma or stress, um, you know, you could, you could, it can show up in your body and they, there's a term, it's, it's essentially a somatic, they call it like a somatic um, representation of like the pain that you're feeling, which means that stress, fear, um, anxiety, um, anguish, will show up as a headache, a stomach ache. It could show up as loss of appetite, um, loss of sleep. It could show up as dizziness and um, sweaty hands, sudden, sudden panic attacks, um, cycling or looping thoughts. All of those things can happen um, without anything necessarily happening to you. That's a vicarious component of vicarious trauma. Like you're witnessing it you can be witnessing it over your phone by you in your phone like you're not even there you're not even in the same country you're not even in the same nowhere near the same space 
um, you could be just looking at it, not even hearing it. It could just be the image itself. It can, the, that kind of thing can show up in your mind and it'll trigger thoughts inside of your mind. Um, the association of your skin color to the skin color of the person will have, will have you feel like you're closer to the possibility of experiencing that, your gender, your identity. So um, trans, black trans women, um, being a black woman, being a black person, being a black mom, um, being a black boy, a father, anything inside of that spectrum, a part of the diaspora in any way could have you um, experience the thing and then your mind will start to tell you by, war by way of warning, this could happen to you. So that you have to learn a lesson. This is the same thing that would you would learn for any other training that you would have. You would, you see, you know, someone, you, that's how you learn how to cross the street. That's how you learn how to not touch a hot stove that's how you learn um you know how to how to like watching you drink you learn how to drink how to pace yourself with drinking so that you don't choke these are these this type of like paying attention to the experiences of others so you don't have to experience it yourself and then taking that lesson into your body as closely as possible um so that you really um, increase the chances that you don't become victim to that same situation that is what folks are experiencing when you say you stand up and you experience vertigo that's what you're experiencing when you're having like a nightmare or you're experiencing memories that you hadn't recognized before but for some for some reason you're suddenly remembering the front steps of a house that you lived in when you were three you're suddenly remembering the smell of of someone um a caretaker that had you to feel extremely comfortable when you were a small child you're suddenly having access to parts of your subconscious that you normally wouldn't have had access to as your body tries to train and prepare your mind tries to train you to avoid and evade the, the um, circumstances that would have you to, ha to meet that type of end. So obviously for Black people, when you're seeing unarmed Black women sleeping in their beds being murdered, you would <laughs> your mind is like, what do I do with that information? Uh, how do I avoid that? <laughs> like, I can't, can I avoid that? You know, or a, a, a man sitting on his car, you know, being accused of forging a $20 bill, your mind is like, I, I mean, I, I handle money all the time. <laughs> like, how could I avoid that? You know, um, asking a police officer a question, <laughs> being dragged out of your car. <laughs> like, you know, you, you ask yourself, like, well, what do I do? Do I not speak? Do I speak? Do I not run? Do I run? Do I... Like for me, you know, do I give birth in the hospital? Do I give birth at home? Like, what do I do to to protect myself from these outcomes? Um, and a lot of this has to happen in a, in a um, automatic way. It cannot happen in, with your with your consciousness, your awake consciousness. A lot of this has to happen in your subconsciousness so that you can function. You imagine having to make those decisions all day. Imagine having to process those types of decisions all day. It's just way too much work for you and you wouldn't be able to get anything else done. So some things have to be logged in your subconscious in order for you to be functional. When that subconscious becomes over, over, um, overrun, overwhelmed, it, your body is gonna try to find a way to release it. It's important to process your experiences and to process your feelings. And if you don't know how to, or you don't get access to it, then your body's gonna have to figure out what to do with it. You can have, you, like I was saying, you can have those symptoms, you can have rashes, <laughs> you know, any number of things to allow your body to release um, the um, over, overflowing of adrenaline, overflowing of free radicals that are released um, when you experience something that, is, that um, triggers heightened fear or um, the desire to flee because you um, see yourself as in, in danger. Your mind recognizes how 
closely you are associated to that potential outcome. That's what's happening to Black people all day. It's and I, I I'm right with that. Like I think it's going to be you know Jenna like learning to be constantly uncomfortable, learning to be without rest until there is ability for other people to have rest. That's that that's that that's the kind of like learning that like you mentioned like that feeling of like I'm gonna post but I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna you know is that enough? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like it's like learning to be like, no, it's not enough. No, I know it's not enough. Like, right. you know, it's learning right. to be, to 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 pay close attention when you to be awake when you're driving down the street and you drive into your yard, and you pay attention to what's happening in your community and you look at your neighbors and you look at the way that you you look at where you shop, you look at who you buy from, you look at you know who you elect you constant you constant you look at who your boss is you challenge them in the space you look at who you get to work next to you are so uncomfortable <laughs> like that you you just it's like i'm not i cannot i just can't stop with this this is i've you become you've become obsessed with justice you've become obsessed with equity it's like you're so uncomfortable being in homogeneous situations that you're like you you can't even you can't even look at your in a room full of white people and be comfortable you're uncomfortable being around only white people that's a that's 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 a sick fantasy to be in a space like that in such a diverse world. How is it even possible is the question you should be asking yourselves constantly. How is this even, how is this conceivable? Those are, those are the kinds of, that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing that would need to happen because otherwise you, you, there's, there's like, um, there's no amount of, um, of training and like things like that that we can we can give folks to like release racism it has to be that like you oh, are yeah. so cognitively connected and consciously connected to i guess like the disparity of diversity that you live in that you just would be so constantly aware of the gap between the have and the have not that you would be so so like gut-wrenchingly aware of the privilege and the and the benefit that you're that you're sleeping on and eating off of every single day that's the kind of that's the kind of like thing that folks that black people have been doing for years but on the other side well that's right <laughs> no you're that you just answered the question so, so like perfectly because that's that's what i feel like i like think about and lose sleep because I do feel uncomfortable, to be honest. It's a nonprofit for mental health. So as always, I have a donation link after that you guys can give back to the Jed Foundation and for mental health. <clears throat> and then um, She's the Music is obviously a part of this. So obviously, you know, I always say this, this is my forever mantra, but I'm female forward. So there we go. And then Music Forward is the new nonprofit that we have attached to the green room, which is something that Melanie, aka Polly A, works on, um, so or works with. So I, I'm actually going to go ahead and just read a little brief that, that just gives you guys an idea of what Music Forward is, just so you know, I'm actually going to be reading it. <laughs> um, so Music Forward is a national nonprofit inside the House of Blues and Live Nation family with the mission to transform young lives, inspire careers, and champion a more inclusive music industry. Their programs focus on providing free opportunities to underrepresented youth, young women, and youth of color to pursue their dream of a career in the music industry, both on and off the stage. Their artist development and um, career development pathways include panels, workshops, and performance opportunities, which Polly A helps with. So I don't know if yeah. you want to, do you want to sort of elaborate on that? 
Well, yeah, yeah. Essentially, you know, we create entry points into the music, um, the music business, you know, the music industry. We, we're, sh you know, our mission is to shape the, the a vision of the music industry that we want to see, right? You know, these are, we work with young artists. Our target demo is 12 to 22 and essentially it's the future of the music industry. So we want to play our part in making sure that we're creating and shaping and, and, and helping to shape, um, you know, a, a, just a more inclusive industry than, than what we, we see currently. Um, yeah. that, that's our mission. That's our goal through, like, like you said, workshops, various activations, um, open mics, performance opportunities. Yeah. It's, it's across the, the gamut. We're, we're just here to, to support our young artists um, and, and create a, a better, again, more inclusive world in that space. Which is why I, I thought this would be perfect to include you guys in this, just because I, you know, obviously there's so many people that want to pursue, obviously pursue their dreams, and and I think that this is you guys have an amazing platform for that, and especially with someone like you that has the experience that you have. I think that, you know, it's 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 cool to have place places where kids can feel comfortable to ask questions. Yeah, and I think especially now it's like we're learning as the world is coming together in this, you know, obviously in this heavy negative way, but I'm hoping to, it will eventually create positivity for these reasons. Cause I think that we're learning things about each other that we didn't know before. Do you know what I mean? And I think that in that case, it's like, maybe some kids out there are like, wow, I didn't realize I could ask Melanie or Jenna or Takesha. Like I, I didn't know that I could even have the strength or confidence to ask them to help me with this or this simple question that I may feel stupid asking, but now they feel comfortable asking which is yeah. honestly so cool. And I think in that sense, this, that's sort of how I'm looking at this whole experience that 2020 is giving us. So I think, you know, I'm trying to look at it in a positive light, you know? So anyway, today I just thought, you know, more than anything, I wanted to just act as a listener and, you know, talk to you guys about your experiences and just certain things that you think that this is making you feel as well as things that we can do to give back. And just like, you know, just kind of where you guys are at, to be honest, like, I just want to be able to, you know, go past an awareness and really create a real change, you know? So I think that that's hugely important. And I just want to see how we can, us as artists can facilitate that and make real change or encourage healing, you know? So I don't know. I think that honestly, well, first of all, let me start to Keisha as well. Why don't you say a little bit about what you do? Hey, so I am a uh, social worker by training which means that I'm trained in how to support communities and organizing towards um, goals for development, for health, for mental health, um, for rebuilding, reconstruction, whatever, whatever kind of like work an organization or community wants to do for themselves. Um, and we center the desires of the group or person and their strengths. And I'm also She froze. I know, she froze. <laughs> she Am I frozen? It. Yeah, you're frozen. You're back now, though. What did you say? Okay. You also what? Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm in the I'm in the cat skills. Can you guys hear me? We can hear you. You're okay. in the, Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, so I, I'm trained to be able to listen to folks, how they're 
thinking and support them in their thinking and feelings to reach their goals um, to heal from trauma, from past hurts, to Mm -hmm. reconnect with family, um, to establish themselves inside of their careers or inside of their education, um, even inside of their communities as leaders or their fields. Um, and so I've done a lot of work internationally, which is my was was the you know really the arc of my training is to to work across the world. So I've worked in um, Botswana, Zimbabwe, South Africa, China, Israel, um, of course the United States, and across the, across the United States. So from you know New York City, Massachusetts down south, Mississippi, (laughs) um, all over the country, LA, just traveling the country to be a support to young people, primarily people of color, women, um, and folks of all identities in in the intersections of of the marginalized um, of the United States, pretty much, and the world. Um, And in uh, across the world, I do focus on very marginalized communities. So folks who are living in um, in refugee camps, people who are living in poverty, or folks who have been trans, um, trans um, moved from one place to another in, space, in hope of sanctuary and, and um, safety. So for example, when I was working in Israel, I was working with the Ethiopian immigrants who wow. are Ethiopian, Ethiopian Israelis. And you're able to really see how racism is, has like completely poisoned the entire world. Um, but yeah, so I've worked in all of these different spaces and very vulnerable, but very strong populations. Oh my God. So what, I'm just curious. So from your perspective, being that you obviously focus so much on this, just on an everyday level, what do you, what do you feel about what's going on? And like, do you feel like what you're seeing now does feel like we're headed towards something positive or like, what's your perspective on everything? I mean, I have, my perspective is like extreme gratitude and um, deep appreciation for the hard work that has gotten us to a point where we are now. All of the many years of activism and protest um, policy and technology that has gotten us to a very highly visible and intolerant place for racism and white supremacy. It is very unique to be in a space where we are now, where in a matter of one day, you know, a woman, a white, a woman who is like soaked in, you know, white supremacist superiority complexes could um, go from potentially threatening and ending a man's life in a, in a bird watching <laughs> park to being fired by her institution or put on leave by her institution and um, publicly corrected. That kind of thing is like, to me, that's a, that speaks to so much progress. So yeah, there's a lot, I feel a lot of hope for where we are. Um, also, there's a way broader understanding of mental health. Folks talk about it more. Folks are more willing to talk about depression and anxiety, trauma, post-traumatic stress. Um, so to me, we're in a very beautiful space in terms of the collective becoming. Um, and we're all really moving in that direction, painfully, eagerly, um, with a lot of hope yeah i mean this actually is making me think so with that all that anxiety do you think that like these positive feelings um and like the anxiety that we have can influence our music you think? i feel like for me it's so interesting because i've been thinking about it and it's so hard 
I mean, I'll just answer that first. I was going to go to Polyer, but I feel like in that, as much as it may be, you know, obviously something that feels positive, it's just so much that sometimes in music, it's like, it's hard to like even comprehend how to sort of put it in words to put it out there. So I think music is healing and I'm sort of trying to figure out how I want to relay that message, message through my own music, but I'm curious, Melanie, do you, how are you? Do you feel like it's something that you feel like is releasing anxiety for you through music now, or is it, how are you relating to it in terms of your music? Um, yeah, I think that, you know, black music has a long history of, uh, of alchemizing pain into, into song. Um, I think that's something we've seen since the beginning <laughs> of, of this recorded history that we have, this oral, oral, uh, history that we have through music and you know as a as a descendant of that it's very imperative and always has been a platform that I've chosen to use to express you know my feelings about what's happening and you know um, my alliance with the, the, the leaders and the and the the fighters out there and the front line making you know making these changes happen and I mean that's sort of what's been you know where I feel like I fit in the grand scheme. Um, as a musician, as an artist, I feel like it's always been my duty to, to express, you know, that piece through, through song, because again, music has the ability to really inspire and change and activate people in a way that no other art form can. I agree. So I feel no, like I all, all artists, you know, responsibility, no matter what background you have, if you feel it, if you see it, it's your responsibility to tell the stories because that's who we are. We're the storytellers, mm -hmm. you know, we're the ones that can, can shape the, the minds and the, and the, the actions of, of the larger community. So absolutely. It's crazy. It's so funny. It's like music does have the ability to, to really unite people rather than divide people, honestly. Yeah. Just like it's, it's it's crazy but it's just it's it's the kind of thing and it's the kind of situation where i think it's so emotional and so such a real subject that like because you know i mean when it comes to writing it's sometimes it's like okay yeah you're just like you know as a songwriter every day you're writing so it's like but with this kind of thing and these kind of real real issues i think that to put those words to it's just a lot for me the way that i like i feel like if i'm gonna write a song about it i need to like every part of it has to feel completely connective because I just as a songwriter myself it's like every song you know you don't love and every song you don't feel connected to so this particular subject is just something where you know you go through the history of songs that I feel have really touched people whether it be like Marvin Gaye or Donny Hathaway or like yeah and I'm like wow Can you imagine that copyright and what it's done for people yeah you like think about that like a change gonna come like those kind of songs have like oh, I mean, they've changed people without people even knowing it's changed them. Do you know what I mean? So to think that you're going to write that kind of song for the next person that will change that person, it's like, it's a lot of pressure, but in, in the same, that it's in a way that kind of gives you anxiety, honestly, like <laughs> you know, as much as it's a positive thing and I get it, I'm just saying writing those kind of songs, it just feels like, again, it's something that almost can't come from you, has to come from something bigger. You know what right. I mean? No, no, I think I, now, this is not, I'm not a, I don't, I mean, I write songs, but I'm not like you guys, right? <laughs> so, but I think what you, I think there's, that pressure comes from, 
for some folks, it's not it's it's not a pressure. Like just like with speaking or or, or poetry, you're releasing ancient like wisdom. You're releasing deep like um, beautiful message that is coming from your truth. So yeah. it's coming out in a way that is so natural because this is what you're living every day. And right. I think one of the things that might be necessary, especially for white people to think about, is to tell your story from your perspective with the guilt, the the pain, the, the fear that you're feeling and release it in a way that allows people to get true access to the, to the anxiety, to, to the source of the anxiety that you might be feeling. So it's like, if you, so it's like, it's kind of challenging. Folks want to, you know, you want to stand up and be like, I want to fight for this. I want to be, exactly. I want to, you know, I want to see justice, but then you also want to reveal the, the intricacies of how racism has been spoon fed to you. You want to reveal the intricacies of how white supremacy is, is potentially rotting parts of your soul and creating difficulty for you to express what you truly feel and like the love that you might truly have or the equity that you might truly want to see. And it's from, it's speaking from that raw, uh, that raw, um, authentic, space that no one else has access to. As a Black woman, I don't have access to any of those stories. I don't have access to, to that conflict, to that natural tension. Yeah. I don't have that. But there's something there for someone, for us to be able to hear, to understand. You know, to me, that's true allyship. Like, tell the truth. Like, what is happening? And a lot of times, for me, you know, we'll, uh, Black people will talk about white people like, they're the most strangest concept of, of creation in the world even though there's no people on earth that know white people better than black people right. so it's it's like a, such an interesting wow, that's kind great. of conundrum because it's this dichotomies of being that white people live within that we don't get access to because it's such a tricky concept you know to believe in supremacy or to be treat, trained to believe supremacy that is really tricky and I think it's a concept that we, I mean, folks get to talk about. People get to, people really get to expose. Artists get to expose and tap into in a way that, um, like you said, could be married to rhythm and, and tone and um, training that, um, that, meaning artistic and musical training that um, could really reach folks and help to dislodge lies fear, you know, um, judgment, um, <laughs> that, that folk may not even know is there. You know, it's really funny that you just said that judgment. That was my next question I was going to ask you because my thing coming from my perspective, writing a song like that, my first thought would be like, I don't want to say anything, even though I don't meet it in my truth. And that is true. Cause I, I like that you said that because any, I am the same believer. I think when you speak from truth, there's, you can do no wrong. Do you know what I mean? Because it's your truth. So I feel like that has to be, it's like, that's only yours. And if that's genuinely how you feel, then that's, that's what it is. But having said that, it's like, it's tough because even if you want to say something super pure of heart, you still don't want it to come across in a certain kind of way. But that's the society that we live in. And that's what we don't want. We don't want people to feel judged. We want more we want people to come together and feel more accepting. Right. So I'm trying to figure out like, listen, 
at the end of the day, I think we're all aware that these are baby steps and this is the, this seems to be the biggest step towards real change that there has ever been. But having said that you can't, you know, it's like me, us three right here, as much as we try and we manifest and we may be more powerful in our own souls and the, in the ability to be able to connect, connect to a larger power. It's like, you know, there's a huge world out there and it's, there's a lot of people that we, you know, that I think that need to be changed in terms of their, their thought process. So I guess my thing is, is like, that would be my concern is, is like, you know what I mean? In terms of, of writing a song from a certain perspective in terms of the way that you just said it, I feel like people, there's, there's definitely, it could be or misunderstood. Do you know what I mean? I guess I would say there's a, there's a privacy in therapy. There's a confidentiality in therapy right. that, um, that is sacred, you know? And so, I mean, I, I don't know. I just remember when I first met Melanie, she had this amazing journal and it was filled with poetry, with things that she had turned into song. It was filled with pictures. Not everything was for public consumption. Not everything was to Got be it. released. Okay. But it was uncensored. And it was, and it gives you access to, and it gave her access to the, to the um, secrets within her soul that she couldn't really articulate, you know, unless she was going with the flow, unless she was in stream of consciousness, right? So when we're in therapeutic spaces, I encourage people, I'm like, tell me, speak, like, let the, the most disgusting thing that is on your mind that's right now that you're trying to censor, please let it out. If I can get access to that thought, I can re, I can find the root. I can go down and find out, you know, where, where was the, where's the seed? Where did this come from? Where did it start? I can help you travel down your timeline to find out who first said that to you. How did it become lodged into your spirit, into your mind? How did it become a part of your automatic? That's, that's a process that you get to go through as artists and create safe spaces. And then of course, I know folks will do the work to, if you're looking to release something, you would do the work to, release something that you might feel that is available and ready and that you're ready to release so that you could be standing in your own truth powerfully and experience whatever critique because it's going to be critiqued either way um come your way but then also experience that experience that cathartic and catalytic change that'll come forth from your natural honest most explorative um expression Wow, that's like honestly, you give me goosebumps. <laughs> I just like you're, you're, you. It's so true what you said in terms of finding the the seed, the seed. Like I just think, oh, that's so powerful because it is true. It's the it's the same way. It's the reason why manifesting and like meditating and all these kind of things are so powerful and work if you can really connect. And this is, I feel like I say this every day, which is my mantra, I guess. You know, um, but no, I definitely think saying these words and actually putting them on a piece of paper or actually saying them out loud or whatever you're feeling really communicate, like really, um, like really makes you identify with the feeling more because if you think about it, right. And it just is a thought that just leaves, you're kind of like, whatever. But if you say it out loud or you write it down, it's like, Oh wait, no, I feel that. Do you know what I mean? And it's just a crazy, you're so right in terms of being therapeutic, which is why honestly writing music is, so powerful and I and I do you described it so perfectly I mean I think at the same time you know I think the thing that I was trying to say is that when you when you find something that feels that real even if it isn't publicly released if it's just you writing it let's say right if you when you find something that feels so real it's like 
I will just sit there and sob to myself, happy or sad tears. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things where it's like you, you almost, it's like this feeling where you're like, oh, oh my God, I can't believe it. And that's what I mean. It's like, I think as a creative, it's like, we're so lucky to be able to feel things so much larger. And I'm not saying everybody doesn't have the ability to do that, but I think that it's, um, it's something that you have to tap into and be very aware of. So when you're sitting there with your truth, it's like, you're able to be like, wow, like, like when you feel it it's like this thing i always use the avatar as an example when they connect it's like you're like it's physics it's like you feel this all up and down your body and that's when i think it really connects and i think if you feel that that energy will then potentially go to some another human being because that's how we we exchange energy like that's that's what human beings do right and this is this is a point that i was discussing with um polyay last week is that i feel like this is even that we don't know what we're doing if we have that level of thought manifestation i feel like that will provoke change do you know what i mean because i feel like in terms of like feeling something and you may catch that wave you may be like oh my god i felt that and you don't know why but you feel that and you're like and that's what humans can do to actually change their the thought patterns of other humans yeah so i just find that so interesting but um by the way, I wanted to just take this second to, somebody said, I could literally listen to Takesha talk for hours. Um, <laughs> so can I. Um, I wanted to open up the chat and um, if anybody has any questions for anyone, please, please feel free to put it in the chat. But, um, but anyway, so I, I just wanted to see if, like, is there any interesting stories in the last couple of weeks that you feel anybody has come to you or any, like, I'm just interested to see if, like, people that you've worked with or anything that you're comfortable talking about, but um, maybe has reacted to this whole situation happening that you, for the positive or negative or anything. Like, I'm just curious about, you know, from before to after, like, if you've personally experienced people that are in your life that you're like, wow, like, I'm sure that you have. You're talking to me? Yeah. I mean, I think I don't need to sound. Uh, anyway, look. Don't sound whatever. <laughs> like, look. Every time something like this happens, <laughs> um, there, there, there's this open conversation, this recognition that can that that comes forward, and they, there's this phrase that I hear that can be extremely um, deafening. In fact, it almost feels like a sonic boom in my ear. Okay. It's this. I didn't realize. You know, I didn't realize how serious it was. And, you know, I, I didn't realize how difficult it was to be a black person. And and so, you know, there's, a, oh, because wow. of, um, I, I've speak about these things, these concepts of, that, that's called vicarious trauma. Um, vicarious trauma is essentially when you, as an advocate or um, a witness or someone who is even observing a, a, tra- a traumatic experience. So it could be a murder, it could be a crime, it could be a flood, it could be just something that is of crisis. Yeah. Um, you can experience it in your body. You can even experience it within your, um, within so much within your DNA that you can pass that tra- that trauma on to some to to your offspring, to your children, unborn. Wow. Um, really. So you're constant. So because of the images that are constantly being reflect, you know kind of like flooding our social media and our news and our media outlets, um, you're constantly re-traumatized, right? And for me as a black woman and as a mother, um, I find myself 
being in a space where I've created like not necessarily what I would call thick skin, but some form of like armadillo shell that is a that is like allow that allows for me to like to kind of sustain and withstand the the um the attack of a word of a of a term or, or somebody saying something like i didn't realize how hard it was for black people or i didn't you know wow this is so devastating and i can't believe things like that happened to me that sounds so um it could it, it sounds it sounds so um fraudulent <laughs> um it 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 it, it, it like it like um it sounds it, it sounds so plastic so fake so fraudulent right right and i and i have and i withstand and then i find myself withstanding it so i'm sitting there like doing this <laughs> like trying to withstand this momentary discomfort for for like a well-meaning quote-unquote white person where in my body, my, my whole flesh is like, how in the whole world have you not seen that this is a problem? I'm it reminds this. me of the, of the Jane Elliott, uh, the moment that she asks a, a group of white participants yes. if, if they would ever want to trade places in society with black, stand up if you'd want, if you'd want that and no one stands up. And so she's yes. like, well, then clearly you know that this is happening, you know? So what, if, if no one would want to change size, what, what are we going to do about it? Why is it okay for this group, but not your own? That reminds me of that. Yeah, or like this white man who was being arrested once on, on um, it was on the news and you hear him saying, you're treating me like I'm a black person. And um, it was like some guy who was being, you know, just retained or detained in a, um, in a public space and he's screaming like, you're treating me like I'm a black person. It's this, it's, it's this like, it's so clearly the, the way folks kind of like, it's so clearly the escalator that you're like, you can't, don't pretend <laughs> like, you know, and then the moment it's like, at, it's revealed, like, this is not an escalator. These are people's bodies. Then it's like, oh my gosh, this is, I totally thought this was an escalator. <laughs> oh my <What>? God. <laughs> you're like, they're like, we should talk about this. You're like, and so to me, I just, you know, I, I used to be in those forums and I want to be like, raise my hand and talk. And I find myself withstanding it and being like, I'm going to hold this, I'm going to hold this in. And this is something I'm going to teach my children. Yeah. I'm going to talk about this with them in a way that, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you access to this transformative power that's within me to this to this amazing resi resilience that's within me. I'm not going to give you access to that in this moment. So I'm going to let you sit there dumbfounded by your own actions. Then I'm just going to smile at you <laughs> because you, you don't get access to my, you don't get access to my superpower right now. You know? Yeah. I mean, I totally know. I mean, so Polly, what do you, how do you feel like it's affected you? I mean, obviously I'm sure in, in many ways, but is there any I actually was going to call Keisha <laughs> because I, I, I know I talked to you about it a little bit, but I've been experiencing vertigo um, for the past, yeah, for the past, like, well, it was like two days in a row. And then this morning it came back. It was like two days, you know, maybe like three days ago, and then it went away. And then this morning I experienced it again. And then as I was speaking to various like friends, they were telling me that, oh, that's happening to me too. Like, you know, and I, I don't, 
I don't really know what that is. I don't really know. I've never experienced vertigo before. I just wake up and the whole room is spinning. Um, but I, you know, I do think that it has to do with like the PTSD of, again, just seeing all these images over and over. And this is not, you know, this is people, I've heard people say like, oh my gosh, this is crazy what's happening right now. It's like, for us, this has been happening. This is yeah. a constant thing. This is something that at this point, we're like Groundhog's Day. Like we've been, this isn't new. And it was almost like, for me, <clears throat> this was just the, the tipping point. It was like, okay, now we've tried every way. We tried to kneel peacefully. We tried this way. We tried that way. We did the protest. It's like, that doesn't work. So um, I think what is happening is not a surprise to our community. Like, we're all just like, well, <laughs> it eventually had to be at the front door because we tried every other way and that was never the right way to do it. So none of us are surprised. We're actually just like, finally, finally, we need to do something that's actually gonna jolt people to respond because we cannot continue this way. No. It cannot go on this way for everybody involved. And I think that what I've been saying you know, through various conversations that I've been having with all of my friends, whatever their background be, um, may be, I, I've been saying like, this is the time that as a world community, as a national community, that everybody has to hold up the mirror and sort of get an assessment of what they're doing that's upholding the system because everybody is responsible in some way. You know, everybody's, this is not like a, this person problem, that person problem, everybody, in it that's living in this world that's living in this system has been used every non-black person has been used as a pawn of this system in some way and so whether it's through not speaking up when you see that a whole community is being denied loans that you're being given <laughs> very easily whether it's through redlining whether it's through <laughs> systematic practices that have been abundant since the beginning of time that everybody either knows about and doesn't do anything or doesn't even take a step to learn about it. It's like people want to live in blind ignorance because it, it suits them, you know, and, and, and that's something that I get. I understand that because I, I can see how somebody might choose that because it's like, oh, at least it's not happening to me. And that, that sentence right there is the reason why it's existed for so long. It's like, I can be an anti-racist but I won't take the step further and say, well, no, this can't happen to this person if it's not, no, this can't, this can't happen. It's most people are like, I'm anti-racist, um, but it's not happening to me. So, you know, like, eh, I'll just like kind of passively involve myself. I'll go to the protests, I'll, I'll, I'll post about it, but I, I'm not really doing anything to actively change it because I low key don't want it to benefit me not yeah I, I, I wanted to keep receiving the benefits of what the system has to offer me and i think this is the time where it's like yeah we can't do that anymore because the whole thing has to be reassessed and re reapproached in order for us to move forward as a community as a world as a as a national community on any level um and i think that's going to be the hardest work um for people I think you have to, you get to think about this, like what you just said. Um, there's, when you're, when you're experiencing trauma or stress, um, 
you know, you could, you could, it can show up in your body and they, there's a term, it's, it's essentially a somatic, they call it like a somatic um, representation of like the pain that you're feeling, which means that stress, fear, um, anxiety, um, anguish will show up as a headache, a stomach ache, it could show up as loss of appetite, um, loss of sleep, it could show up as dizziness and um, sweaty hands, sudden, sudden panic attacks, um, cycling or looping thoughts, all of those things can happen um, without anything necessarily happening to you. That's a vicarious component of vicarious trauma. Like you're witnessing it. You can be witnessing it over your phone, by you, in your phone. Like you're not even there. You're not even in the same country. You're not even in the same, nowhere near the same space. Um, you could be just looking at it, not even hearing it. It could just be the image itself. It can, the, that kind of thing can show up in your mind and it'll trigger thoughts inside of your mind. Um, the association of your skin color to the skin color of the person will have, will have you feel like you're closer to the possibility of experiencing that, your gender, your identity. So um, trans, black trans women, um, being a black woman, being a black person, being a black mom, um, being a black boy, a father, anything inside of that spectrum, a part of the diaspora in any way could have you um, experience the thing and then your mind will start to tell you by, war by way of warning, this could happen to you. So that you have to learn a lesson. This is the same thing that would you would learn for any other training that you would have. You would, you see, you know, someone, you, that's how you learn how to cross the street. That's how you learn how to not touch a hot stove that's how you learn um you know how to how to like watching you drink you learn how to drink how to pace yourself when drinking so that you don't choke these are these this type of like paying attention to the experiences of others so you don't have to experience it yourself and then taking that lesson into your body as closely as possible um so that you really um, increase the chances that you don't become victim to that same situation, that is what folks are experiencing when you say you stand up and you experience vertigo. That's what you're experiencing when you're having like a nightmare or you're experiencing memories that you hadn't recognized before, but for some, for some reason you're suddenly remembering the front steps of a house that you lived in when you were three. You're suddenly remembering the smell of, of someone, um, a caretaker that had you to feel extremely comfortable when you were a small child. You're suddenly having access to parts of your subconscious that you normally wouldn't have had access to as your body tries to train and prepare, your mind tries to train you to avoid and evade the, the um, circumstances that would have you to, ha to meet that type of end. So obviously for Black people, when you're seeing unarmed Black women sleeping in their beds being murdered, you would <laughs> your mind is like, what do I do with that information? Uh, how do I avoid that? <laughs> like, I can't, can I avoid that? You know, or a, a, a man sitting on his car, you know, being accused of forging a $20 bill, your mind is like, I, I mean, I, I handle money all the time. <laughs> like, how could I avoid that? You know, um, asking a police officer a question, <laughs> being dragged out of your car. <laughs> like, you know, you, you ask yourself, like, well, what do I do? Do I not speak? Do I speak? Do I not run? Do I run? Do I... Like for me, you know, do I give birth in the hospital? Do I give birth at home? Like, what do I do to, to protect myself from these outcomes? Um, and a lot of this has to happen in an in a, um, automatic way. It cannot happen in, with, your, with your consciousness, your awake consciousness. A lot of this has to happen in your subconsciousness so that you can function. You imagine having to make those decisions all day.
Imagine having to process those types of decisions all day. It's just way too much work for you and you wouldn't be able to get anything else done. So some things have to be logged in your subconscious in order for you to be functional. When that subconscious becomes over, over, um, overrun, overwhelmed, it, your body is going to try to find a way to release it. It's important to process your experiences and to process your feelings. And if you don't know how to, or you don't get access to it, then your body's going to have to figure out what to do with it. You can have, you, like I was saying, you can have those symptoms, you can have rashes, <laughs> you know, any number of things to allow your body to release um, the um, over, overflowing of adrenaline, overflowing of free radicals that are released um, when you experience something that, is, that um, triggers heightened fear or um, the desire to flee because you um, see yourself as in, in danger. Your mind recognizes how closely you are associated to that potential outcome. That's what's happening to Black people all day. <laughs> now, I have actually a question for you guys. Like, do you... I'm just curious because how do you feel like we can unlearn the things that like the PTSD feelings like in the sense that okay like what Melanie said like how she's having this obviously like the vertigo stuff but beyond that like the loan thing that you mentioned or things that you know like preconceived notions that you feel like hey you know you know when like you want to do something and you think yourself oh maybe I shouldn't that kind of shit, right? Because that happens. And listen, the only way I can relate is being a female, right? Because as a woman in the US or in the world, honestly, you get, it's the, you're treated by the system in, in a bad way too. It's like, you always feel like, oh, well, I don't know if I should actually raise my voice or say what I think. Cause you know, people may not take me seriously kind of thing. Right. So I'm just wondering, like, how do we unlearn telling ourselves those stuff, that thing, that stuff? Cause like, as you were talking, I'm like, that's kind of the first step. Like if you were going to do something and you think, okay, I want to do it. And then you hold yourself back because what you think is going to happen. No, girl, this ain't what you think. <laughs> no, that's what we were trying to say. This ain't about what I think is going to happen. What we saw with George Floyd was on video. This is happening all day, every day. This happens to me. These types of, this type of, 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 of Public persecution and attack happens frequently all day, every day. This isn't a thought. This is a reality. It's a, what's most likely. It's not what's. It's not um, what is like most impo is like impossible. This is like this is not this is not a radical imagination of of, of fear and a belief in in a doubt of who you are as powerful people. This is historically uh, documented and undocumented daily public attack you know this is in so if what i mean to say is like you I, there's nothing for me to unlearn that's why there's the eight hashtag eight can't wait i i'm not, i can't unlearn that white people kill black people that's not something for me to like build my strength up against you know so I, if I, if i speak out loud if, you know I'm, I'm trained from childhood that if I speak out, out out loud against a white person, I'm in danger. This is this is what I learned. You, I learned this in first grade. Black boys are learning this in kindergarten, preschool. But so this is something that you. This isn't an unlearning. This is why it has to be. This is why if we looked at the Obamas, um, you look at Obama Town Hall, you will see that there was the this conversation of policy and protest because the country is designed by default. to substantiate and allow for <laughs> um, the 
I guess I would, I, I don't know but how else to say, but the public annihilation of black people. So do you think, I just mean coming to the future, do you think that white people too, like I'm saying, how can we, like obviously yes, but I'm saying if we're actually going to hopefully change these ways, do you think it's possible that people unlearn these behaviors? That's what I'm saying. Like, do you think, for white people too, like, do you think that, that this is something, do you have hope that, you know, even 10 years from now, this could be something that isn't something that has to be feared? That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, um, like, that's my thing is, like, obviously I know that's the way it is, but I'm saying I want to know that now, given what just happened, is it actually going to, you know, like you said, people compose, people can, oh, yeah, I'm going to give back, I'm going to do this, it's going to be this, but I'm saying, like, how can we actually guarantee that the system can actually be different so like those kind of thoughts don't have to happen and that's kind of what I mean is how do we if somebody asks you hey Keisha like like the new your your child then how do you how are you going to teach your child like do you know what I mean are you going to teach your child in the same way that you were taught or do you feel like this is actually moving towards a change that you think that potentially <clears throat> potentially they can live in a different kind of world or both your kids actually. I was taught mostly yes there's not, I mean, I'm not in a place yet. We're not, I'm nowhere near, we're not there yet. Like, I'm not going to teach my child that, I'm not, I'm teaching my child love and I was taught love. I wasn't taught that white people, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I, I was taught about, I was taught about white people. I wasn't taught about necessarily racism. So I was kind of taught that like, you know, this is how, this is what to be aware of. Right. Sort of like, you know, this is, you know, but you still get to be kind, you still get to be loving, you can create and, but just be aware of it. And then I was taught by white people about white people as well. So, you know, like, um, you don't get to be who you are, you don't get to show up in your, in your brilliance, you don't get to have a, you don't get to be upset, you don't get to, to not be perfect, you know, you know there's all these different things, you don't get to be self-expressed, um, and you don't get to be quiet. You get to be what I say you get to be when I say you get to be it. And it's this constant like training of the, of the mind, even as a, even in Colombia, even after graduating from Colombia, even traveling all around the world, even having master's degree, still having to, to, you know, um, prove myself against all proof, like over and over. So yeah, I'm going to continue to teach my, I'm going to teach my child to believe in love in themselves, um, love others, be kind and be aware, be, be wide awake. Um, because it's not, it's not me who, and it's not, it's not me who is, who has decided that this is the system. This is the system. And so there's, there's the undoing work that has to happen primarily by white people. Yeah. Well, I mean, all, I think only by white people, honestly, it's just like, and that's the thing that was my main point is like i think that's what i hope for is that 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 system can change where that 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 so people don't have to feel those ways it says i don't want people like i wanted to not think that you go in and have to think oh maybe i shouldn't do that like for the future because that's that's what we're trying to change like it's it is it is true like what polly was saying it's just like you know the same way that you can say hey i care but then you do one post and you're like oh I did enough. No, that's not cool. Like it's up to, but it's just like, for me, the way that I feel is like, I'm only one person. Right. So it's almost like I'm trying to see your guys' perspective in terms of like, how do we, how do you guys see the system actually changing? And like, how long do you think it's going to, you know, like all those well, things. I mean, because of this is mainly systemic, this is, this is written, this is written policy. 
So it's, it's not about like, oh, I'm just going to wake up and not know. It's about yeah. forcing and, and, and holding the, those that have the power to create these systemic oppressive policies accountable and, and forcing them to undo it. You know, but that's really what it's about. It's not about, oh, I'm going to be a better. No, as long as you are, like I said, benefiting from this system, you know, and you want to actually, it's like the quote, well, nobody's free until all of us are free. And that's, that's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing right here in front of our faces. No one is free right now, you know? And so again, this is, this is about, this is, (laughs) this is undoing and uprooting a system. This isn't about unlearning. This is about uprooting because at the end of the day, the people who are racist and the people who are, you know, in support of white supremacy, this is not, the goal is not to change them, those people. Those people can do whatever they want. That's fine. Be in, and live in that type of venom and that hate. Ramon, no, no. Be in that, take him upstairs, Um, Sorry, my kid is about to make a record. Um, those, you know, it's again, this is about making laws and policies fair for all because I don't really see that people who are who are who want who choose to be racist, you know, again, that's not my problem, is what I'm trying to say. That, that's not my problem. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I'm not worried about the, the type of hate that you want to live in and you want to you want to cause harm to yourself because that is that it being racist and living in that in that type of hatred doesn't serve anyone so until you want to change your life that that's not on me i'm interested in creating policy and changing policy so that my son gets a fair shot and gets access to stand on yeah and we get the same type of access to opportunity that everybody out here is getting like the, the problem is we are living in two two worlds in the sense that we are teaching our kids something entirely different than what a lot of white America is teaching their kids. I, I don't, we don't, we don't think to call the cops when something goes, cause our thought is don't call the cops. Cause one of us might end up dead over here. We have to figure this out on our own. Like this, that's not our go-to. I'm not going to tell my, my son to, to reach out to the cops for help because that you can end up dead. You know what I'm saying? So that's just one example of how, stark the differences in in these two communities this is so deep like but again i feel like at the end of the day it boils down to you know policy changes and laws and and holding your leaders accountable (laughs) for what it is they're creating even if it's at at at, you know the the even if it's it's not it's going to affect you in some in some negative impactful way because that's the only way we're gonna we're gonna see any profound change. And I think it's, and I, I, I'm right with that. Like, I think it's going to be, you know, Jenna, like learning to be constantly uncomfortable, learning to be without rest until there's ability for other people to have rest. That's, that, that's, that, that's the kind of like learning that, like you mentioned, like that feeling of like, I'm going to post, but I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to, you know, is that enough? Yeah. Yeah, like it's like learning to be like, no, it's not enough. No, I know it's not enough. Like, right. you know, it's learning right. to be, to 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 pay close attention when you to be awake when you're driving down the street and you drive into your yard, 
and you pay attention to what's happening in your community and you look at your neighbors and you look at the way that you, you look at where you shop, you look at who you buy from, you look at, you know, who you elect, you constant, you constant, you look at who your boss is, you challenge them in the space, you look at who you get to work next to, you are so uncomfortable <laughs> like that you you just it's like i'm not i cannot i just can't stop with this this is i've you become you've become obsessed with justice you've become obsessed with equity it's like you're so uncomfortable being in homogeneous situations that you're like you you can't even you can't even look at your in a room full of white people and be comfortable you're uncomfortable being around only white people that's a that's 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 a sick fantasy to be in a space like that in such a diverse world? How is it even possible is the question you should be asking yourselves constantly. How is this even, how is this conceivable? Those are, those are the kinds of, that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing that would need to happen because otherwise you, you, there's, there's like, um, there's no amount of, um, of training and like things like that that we can we can give folks to like release racism it has to be that like you oh, are yeah. so cognitively connected and consciously connected to i guess like the disparity of diversity that you live in that you just would be so constantly aware of the gap between the have and the have not that you would be so so like gut-wrenchingly aware of the privilege and the and the benefit that you're that you're sleeping on and eating off of every single day that's the kind of that's the kind of like thing that folks that black people have been doing for years but on the other side well that's right no you're that you just answered the question so, so like perfectly because that's that's what i feel like i like think about and lose sleep because i do feel uncomfortable to be honest because it makes me feel i just it's like, I don't know, it, it, I can't even obviously begin to relate, but for me, it it's just, I want to do as much as I possibly can do because, I mean, to be honest, I've grown up having just me personally. I mean, I've, I've had more black friends than white friends, just myself anyway. And like, I don't even think of that. You know what I mean? That's not something that even like, I don't, I don't, I don't know people that are so evil. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know these, but I know it is, exists. So I think as this has gone down, it's just been like really emotional for me to sort of wake up and be like, wow, this is the world we live in. Like I was telling Polly that I was just like, I'm not even ignorant. I just choose to like, it's just, oh, it's just in like, that's the kind of weight that like, I know that from what you're saying is that you guys carry all the time. And like, I, I feel that, like, I feel it. And that's when, even when you were talking about music, like the fact that when you're like, hey, write a song, it doesn't matter if you don't want to release it or you just want to like, you know, put it out there, how you feel uncomfortable or how you feel all these ways. Like, yes, like I love that. I think that's so powerful, honestly. I mean, so what you just spoke about is like that going back to sleep. It's like, it's like rocking yourself back to sleep with your activity, right? So what I mean by that is it's so easy to, um, I, I mean, let me, let me take, let me just stick on my, on the point. Um, you and your own, you and your, in your beautiful in, um, expression of yourself and intention to be, to live with love and connected to others. Um, while, while rehearsing and reflecting on the life that you've chosen to live and the individuals that you've interacted with, that kind of like, it's sort of like a, a daydreaming. 
because yeah. what's happening is you're looking you're looking at your life and you're saying like you know whoa like i love black people i've always been friends with black people like i wasn't paying attention to what was happening um you know and and you're saying and it's that that kind of thing is like your subconscious your your it's your coping mechanism that's popping up inside of you right now and telling yourself like don't hate yourself you're a good person and, and it's essentially lullabying you back to sleep and that's and that's what happens every time this happens right we get this effort, we get this rah-rah, and we get this liberal, this white liberal who, who get, they work, they work themselves up so much that they get so tired that they, they find themselves sitting back and reflecting on their hard work, and then they go back to sleep. And now they're back in their world around Black people that they love, that love them, that are appreciate, that are like, you know, they're not talking to you about what we're, about what they're experiencing every day. It's like not, there's nothing you're going to do about it. So you're like, you get to go back to sleep. You get to go back into the daydream. And be careful of that. Be careful of that and be careful of that around your family. Be careful about, about around your circles because that is, so it's so natural. It's, it's a coping mechanism. It's something that because you're not being electrocuted into the, into the reality of racism every single day, like black people are, you don't have to, you don't necessarily have to deal with it in that way. And that's, that's essentially what that concept of like the, the white liberal, that's essentially what they, what happens there. And then one day they realize that they've created another all white neighborhood. And then they invite their black friends to have dinner on and drinks on their rooftop. And then they go back to the black friends, go back to their neighborhood and the white, they all stay in their neighborhoods. And it's like, that's just what happens over and over and over. It's a lullabying of goodwill. And it's like, that's why I was saying you, it's, it's so subtle and it's, you don't, you don't need to do it. and, and And it's not intentional. But it's also because your mind is saying like to you, like, I'm not a bad person. Like, wait a minute. They're trying to tell me that, tell me something about myself. And, and, and it's essentially like your mind is like, I don't want to wake up. What are you doing? Like, you're trying to recreate me. And, and essentially we're like, yes, we kind of, like, kind of, kind of have oh. to happen. <laughs> oh, so it's so it's so it's so it's so deep rooted like it's not even just about people intentionally it's unintentionally too is what you're saying yeah and it and it's like you know that's why i was and like you you don't you don't you don't expect it but like it's it blasts it for me it blasts in my ear it sounds so so loud you know like I didn't know. I didn't even know. It's like, it's impossible to know. It's so crazy. I mean, so how do you feel, Polly, do you feel like, how do, how do you feel like the music industry can change and help create change? Um, I think the music industry first needs to reflect the change they want to see. <laughs> I think it's going to have to start in, in the doing and not just the saying and the, and the talking. I think that, you know, they have to look at these boardrooms. They have to look at these executive s- spots. They have to really look at the landscape of what's happening internally um, and start there um, and start again, like creating the change that they want to see across the board. Um, 
you know, we all know that in America that, that pop music is black music. Um, we, we are supporting, and it's now been a, a, a conversation, uh, an industry conversation of like acknowledging that, yeah, that, that the creatives, black creatives are keeping this, this thing afloat. You know, there would be no music industry without black creatives. So I think that it, it's just about equity. You know, this is all about equity. You know, it's not about equality. It's about equity. It's about creating spaces that really and truly reflect equity across the board and creating spaces and opportunity and access. All of these things that we've been talking about in this conversation across the board. Um, I mean, the music industry, we all know the history of it was never really about equity, you know what I mean? So that's gonna, that's gonna take an uprooting as well. You know, it's gonna have to, it's gonna take a real audit um, that's deep. And I, again, I'm not sure if, you know, the, power, the powers that be are really ready to, to get let go of, of, the lot, of, the, of the lot, a lot of the power that they've amassed and, and, and leveraged over the years of um, essentially pillaging black creatives and, and taking advantage of, of, of black creatives. Um, you know, I, I like to be hopeful too. You know, I like to, I, again, this is like, what's happening right now is it's an example across the board. So change has to happen because it's inevitable. Like it, it cannot, this cannot go on forever. That's what I'm saying. I just want to know. It's not, it's, 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 it's just going to implode is what I mean. Like it's, it will implode on itself. So it's like, we have a choice to either allow it to just let this country just blow up and all, you know, from just like naturally destruction or we can, help guide it and mobilize it in ways so that we all don't implode with it but either way it's gonna happen you know it's just how we want it to happen is the question that we have to ask ourselves and and the people that you know hold the power really have to look in the mirror and say you know do i am i choosing gadgets and the luxury and you know this nice life over freedom of all people I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a question. That's a real question. That's going to have to be answered at some point very soon. And that's why I'm turning to you guys. And I really want to know like through this, yeah. you know, and you're answering, you've answered to, you've answered like pretty clearly to me the way you feel, but I guess like that's, that's really what I'm trying to understand is how there can be real change. You know, that it's not just something we talk about. Period. Yeah. Obviously yeah. I have to say it right. And, you know, but again, it's like, I'm, I'm curious about, I was curious about the way that you guys really. Well, what do you think? We, we, we've been asking all the questions. This is what, what do you think? Like, what do you think you can do as an individual or as a, you know, in your community, as a member of your community, um, the white community, as well as the music community, like, what yeah. do you think? No, yeah. That, 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 what do you think the changes? Uh, what, what what kind of changes do you think have to happen or can happen? I think I think basically, like honestly, in terms of just me, I think it starts with like Takesha saying, you know, the the things that you you know just feeling having to feel uncomfortable and to be in situations with people that may not, you know, 
understand these things, educating yourself. And I, by the way, I've been doing, I mean, I, that I've been trying since this has been happening and I've been trying to educate myself as much as I can, honestly, every single day. Cause it's like, and I think that that's, you know, that's just me as a person. That's not necessarily the music side. And I think in terms of music, I mean, people listen, music's already starting to, you know, Warner gave like, you know, obviously what was it? Was it like a hundred million? Sony. I mean, people are obviously thinking of ways, but I think it's much bigger than that. Obviously, it's much bigger than that. And I think that, you know, we, it's just, again, I'm, I'm, I'm only one person. I'm a songwriter. So it's kind of like, you know, in the, in the sense that I can encourage people from labels and stuff like that. And then I will to like, you know, just the way that I have with Polly, like connected her to a bunch of different people just to sort of, even with music forward, you know, in terms of just participating in that and just being able to like really put an action to your words, not just be like, I want to give back, but it's like, okay, yeah, you're part of music forward. Awesome. How do we get involved? How do we do that? How do we help? Like, that's what I think you do. I think you just try to help as much as you can. And I think that, that's only as much as one person can do. And if you have friends in high places, then obviously you encourage them to help and, and change and change the system. You know, that's to me, like, that's where you, that's where it starts. In my I opinion. think you know? just to piggyback what you said, and I think all that you're saying is spot on. Um, I think the reason why I like Jane Elliott is because she understands that these are not conversations for black people. You know, these are, she has, when she, you, you're familiar with who Jane Elliott is or, Jane Elliott is a, is a scholar or anyone for those out there. Jane Elliott is an educator, um, activist, and a lot of her activations involve speaking to white audiences, completely white audiences. And I make that point because I think it's not about as much, you know, is white people speaking with white people and, and asking that question, like, what are we going to do? That's you know, like... Exactly. What are we going to do? What are, what are we going to do? It's not about, okay, let's ask them to, we can't help. No, can't, no, I, know, I know you're not saying that. I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I agree with you. <laughs> Just adding on to that, it, yeah. you know, all of who are listening, it's like, this is a conversation. Black people have been talking to black people this whole, we know, because that's what I said. We're like, we know, we, we tried to tell y'all, we tried to share with these conversations we've been having internally. Now I think it's time for, you know, there to be an internal conversation as a, as a community right. to say, all right, what are we going to do? Because now we're seeing that this could go left and it has gone left and it can continue to go left because we see these, this generation is not playing. This next generation is not playing. No. They're not, they're not about this, that life. They're not about that peaceful protest life. We're seeing that, <laughs> they, you know, and so I just feel like a chain is, is not going to come, it's coming, it's here, because this generation is not for the BS, they just not. So again, this is a conversation that has to happen within each community to say, let's hold up this mirror and see, and see what, in what ways are we upholding this, this wretched system that does not really serve anyone because no system can serve anyone where there is a group of people targeted based off of something that they cannot control. You cannot, I mean, that's just, it just is mind boggling that that's even a thing, but we all know what it is. It's just, to, it's really just to benefit this, this elite group of people and to let them all fight amongst themselves and, and themselves and pit, a, pit them against the, each other because that's how we can maintain in this power and this control, right? And that's really what they, at the end of the day, what it's about, you know? So 
what role am I playing? What role are we playing? What role in, 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 in turning a blind eye? And, you know, that's a, the essential question at the end of the day that has to be, you know, that conversation that has to be had internally. I couldn't agree more. And I think yeah. you're, you're right. And I think that's the kind of thing where I've also been, what I've been doing is like just making a lot of calls to people and being like, what can I do? And tell, tell me the things that I can do. Do you know what I mean? Because that's the first, that's the only way that you can really start, honestly, because, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's it, like, I, I think that the issue, <laughs> obviously it's kind of like the best way to come up with ideas to make change is to like, you know, you have to educate yourself. You have to find out what, you know, what, what is missing? What, what can we do? Like what, it, you know, all those, those kind of things, which I think, like you said, it's like, these are like maybe things that you didn't even know you were doing intentionally, like the unintentional part, people don't even know. So it's like, you have to be like, listen, what are we doing? Like we actually, like, you know, and it, the more people you talk to and find out like, okay, no, this was an issue. And like, we do have to fix this. And this, this I've been bothered by, like, you know, it's, 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 there's so many things. And I think that's, there's, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm trying yeah. to do is call and just be like, is there a particular thing that I can help and that I can help, help steer, you know what I mean? Whether it be yeah. you know, for the people that I know and like the, the circles that I have. And I think that, you know, obviously it's much deeper, much bigger, but for me as a person, that's, you know, that's the best yeah. way. And it's one, it's one, one step person. at a time. It's one conversation at a time. It is about what you're doing. It is about creating space for these conversations. It is about, you know, just being acting as, a, as an ally and as an accomplice more than an ally, you know? It's about yeah. being an accomplice yeah. to this and, and just really being about creating this, <laughs> this space for change that, you know, is inevitable. Again, it's inevitable because it's going down right before our eyes. Well, listen, I really- so, I, I thank you for even, for doing this, Jenna. and, and and acting as an accomplice and an ally in this. And I, I want to continue the conversation, you know, yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I hope that even for the, the people who, who see this, you know, create, create the spaces for the conversation with your families, with your communities, with the wider communities, you know, it, like Keisha said, it is about being comfortable with being uncomfortable because that is the only pathway that exists. <laughs> it's like, it's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be, you know, a rosy ride is not. For example, it's like, even this conversation isn't necessarily for me. It's you think like, obviously I, I, you know, I don't know all the right things to say and all this, you know, and that is uncomfortable, but it's, it's, it's like, but it forces us to talk about it. Yeah. And you wrote, you wrote about it in, in a recent song, haven't you, Holly? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a song coming out on Juneteenth, which is, uh, our Independence Day as a black black community, our our independent uh, from emancipation, our our Independence Day essentially um, called Chosen, and it's it's really just about you know just keeping that light ignited uh, within you um, through all this. We we've been a resilient people <laughs> since the beginning of time, and and it's really just about always walking towards that light and keeping that light and it and 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 sharing that light because that's what will inspire change you know that's what will yes that's all that, that's what that's what we have that's all you know that's that's all we got so it's it's never let anyone dim your light never never so yeah. it's coming out on again june 19th i'll i'll be posting about it oh thanks <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Jenna. 
<laughs> I love you. I love you guys. And that's so great. Like, Keisha, it's so crazy that we met before. I kind of love I know. that. It's so, it's just, know. I know. Um, and by the way, we were playing. It's hard to forget there was a woman, a young woman walking around with a, a small, you're a very petite person, walking around with a guitar bigger than you are. <laughs> <laughs> like on your body I was like I, I could I can still see the day I can too no I I 1000% remember us sitting on the grass with the, the carpet, yeah the, um I called it a carpet no with the rug um and oh yeah because Polly you're like known for that community building like creating these spaces oh, out of no. nowhere convening mad people like folks from all different experiences and like you know, ways of living. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I feel like I was so blessed to like grow up in all worlds. Like I didn't, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to really not like, like you, I was taught love, you know, and I, but I was just taught from the space of like, this is systemic, but these are people. And I was taught very early on about how the manipulation of people and not to necessarily judge them or, or hate them because they're benefiting from them. I'm like, it's just like, it's not your fault. It's not my fault, you know, but it is not about fault at this point, you know? So yeah, I've always been about like bringing people together and, you know, and, and just, cause again, we all benefit from each other. You know, there isn't, we all grow and, and from the exposure of, of all these vast, you know, experiences and, and, and lives. So I'm just, I, I love that about America. You know, I love that about these metropolitan, these colorful cities like New York, LA, like that's why I can, I, I choose to live in spaces like that because the diversity is, is what makes it so beautiful to me. You know, like I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. I'm so grateful for the, for the lens that I, I was afforded to, to be exposed to all these different types of people and, and how it shaped the person that I am, that I, I feel like I can be like a conduit, a special kind of conduit because I, I don't come from this, this or that. I, I understand that this is all gray. It's all so gray. Like there is no right, wrong, this, that way to really like approach life. Like we have to, we have to really just, I don't know, just embrace people for, for and, and sort of just understand that people are really just a, a um, a culmination of their experiences, you know, and like, and what they've been taught. And it's not about judging. It's about understanding and having compassion, for like what, you know, you only know that because that's what was given to you to know, you know? And I think that partially that's where the unlearning has to start is like understanding, like we were all just babies, man. We're all just little babies at one point and just like super just naive. And we, what we became is what our parents, and their parents and what's generation generationally passed down. Um, and I think when we understand that from just a basic fundamental level, how could you not want the same for all these babies? These babies, man, these babies deserve the same access because they didn't, they didn't choose this. Like they didn't choose, we chose to bring them here. And it's our responsibility as a world community to make sure they're good, no matter what they look like. And I think having a kid really like, having a kid and actually birthing a child it, it makes it so like this baby had no clue you know i don't i think we lost jenna did we lose our house what'd you say yeah she's gone what happened i don't know 
I don't know what to do. But yeah, Keisha, <laughs> maybe she'll come back. Um, that was beautiful. I hope she comes back. <laughs> you call her? Um, <laughs> hey y'all who are watching i don't know where jenna is where is she is i know that was jenna, weird. i just i just want to give a shout out to jenna jenna is like one of my closest friends for 10 years now and her spirit is just so beautiful yeah. and um i think she represents you know just just that the goodness the goodness just like you keisha you know you're the same you represent that goodness and represent that i think goodness. it's a it's about that goodness yeah, joining yeah. forces and making this yeah work. like what she did was pub like to put herself in this position to go through that what she did and then keep she kept tapping back in which was really it was it was beautiful to see her keep tapping back into this like she wouldn't let herself go like you could see herself try to like slide out and she'd be like get back over here <laughs> and that was that that was beautiful to be a part of that because she wasn't letting herself off the hook and she wasn't letting herself kind of like um she wasn't letting herself give up either so she didn't throw in the towel which to me was like i was like yeah that's why it's not easy to process these type of conversations and you're and you know you want to tell the truth you want to be honest you want to hold people up to let them see like you know this is where you're dirty this is where you're naked this is where the ignorance is staining you and you want to you you hope that that's not going to have somebody be like but this is my favorite skin <laughs> you're like you want you hope that somebody will be able to say like really wow and like know that the love and the intention that you have is like you said just just goodness and yeah. i think she she was reflecting that today yeah and i i think of that again i'm just so grateful that i i know allies like real allies like that that are not just for the gram it's like and and i sometimes you know i feel i feel like there's this pressure to have all the answers and you know this is not an overnight thing you know this is this is a, a very long road ahead that we have so i really am grateful for those who have taken this space and, and are like willing to do the work and spread the word to their you know i see all these 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 videos going around of these kids that are just like going head to head with their parents and they're having these debates and they're just like calling it out and calling what it is and i just feel like these kids man they're just they're it's so beautiful to to witness these the the the, the voices that that this next generation you know what the positions that they're they're taking um yeah it's it's beautiful it's beautiful to watch and um I don't know. I don't want to just wrap this up because I don't know where she, she's, she is, but I don't know if we should keep talking or what, but. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm it. thinking, okay, but well. No, she said, we're saying she's coming. Oh, oh, she oh, guys, that was so weird. I don't know what happened. Oh, I was like, no. <laughs> what, did what did I miss? We were just going in about how amazing you are and how oh, God. <laughs> how you just represent the goodness and like I think at, at the core of a lot of these conversations is just about recognizing that there is real goodness in the world and and I think that's what is bubbling up. It's like, dude, this is not about any of the shit that they're trying to like manipulate. They're still trying to manipulate, but at the end of the day, like 
goodness is goodness. Those who recognize right and there are those who rec- who don't care about what's what's wrong and they let it happen. I think th- I've, I I feel blessed that I know so many people who can who know the distinction. You know what I mean? Like I can even just my who I my boss at is Music Forward is is you know my my direct Laura Clark is an example of that. Like she you know leads us through Music Forward in a way that is really like you can tell that this is, she lives this life. You know what I mean? Like she is about affecting change with these young kids and making sure that, you know, she is a, a part and a true catalyst and a true champion for them. And um, I, I'm inspired by, you know, she's been in this, when this education, educational nonprofit world for a while. And, you know, I'm learning so much from her, but again, it just boils down to like, right is right. And when you recognize it and you act on it, that's it. You know, it's about unifying and finding those like-minded people because together, man, there's no stopping. There's no stopping that. So we just thank you, Jenna, for, for again, creating this space to have, have this, this um, conversation. No, and I honestly, like, it's so funny that Keisha said that you're somebody that curates people because I do think that you are one of those people. You always have been. Like, I feel like, you know, yeah, exactly. It just, it's so nice. And I, you know, and that's the kind of thing, like, doesn't it, like those, I just don't, you're the kind of person that I just love. It doesn't even matter color or not color, just a person. I just love you, you know? And I think that I'm just, you know, that's a whole nother thing. I'm just like, I just, I'm attracted to people's spirits, you know? So I just wanted to talk to you guys. Cause I just, I think that even, I mean, we could go on the whole rest of the day, you know, I'm sure we can. And it's just like, it is emotional. I mean, somebody said, oh yeah, Courtney. Yeah. Wait, do you guys know Courtney? Oh yeah. Courtney, Courtney said, I just want to give you guys all a hug right now. Aww. Virtual hug, Courtney. Um, yeah. So, so, um, oh, that's so, I'm giving you a hug, Courtney. Um, but, but yeah. Oh yeah. Ruby, Ruby also is giving hugs. Um, hey, so Courtney, she's that. an artist actually that works with music forward. Oh, she's hey, amazing. Ruby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's awesome. She's actually doing a performance on Friday for our open mic. Oh, so you Shout should. Shout out to Ruby. If, if it's online, is it online? I'm assuming. It's online. Yeah, I can. Uh, oh, link. man. I, I will send you the link. <laughs> I'm on out on my work computer right now. Um, but, but I was going to say, um, Courtney earlier was asking for your, both of your Instagram. So I'm going to put it in the chat right now. Okay. Um, hold on. I actually need to hop off my wonderfuls. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The the stirring of the the impatient twin. Oh. They need to get bed. They need to get their their breast milk. (laughs) I'm like, Mama, I'm hungry. Telling you guys, we need to do. We need to do part. We need to do um part two because you're. I need you to talk to. I mean, I need to know this home birth situation at some point. Yes. Like, like. When you said that the other day, I was like, I mean, I have to. You just, even if it's not public, you have to, t- I have to call you and you have to tell me about that because that's yes. crazy. <laughs> yes. But this is for forever friendship. So I'm so happy that you, that you, um, that you were part of this, honestly. And I'll just stick the, is it, it's just to Keisha White, right? That's the, yeah. Your, and then just for everybody watching, um, obviously there'll be a donation link for Music Forward and for the Jed Foundation when I post this on YouTube. 
um, under the Jenna Andrews. And then, yeah, we'll just continue to post on our Instagrams and we'll, we'll, we'll forward those donation links. And um, I'll, I'll, the, the, the video of this conversation will be posted tomorrow as well. So everybody can watch it back and we can all give each other virtual hugs. <laughs> Before we sign out, let me just finish writing your, your Instagram in the chat. Hold on. And then we will go. I just don't want to. Hold on. I, I guess in my heart is just saying that I've kind of been trained to say their name. So I'm just going to say George Floyd. I'm going to say Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, um, Atatiana. Anybody can say any other folks that come to mind. Sandra Bland. Am I mute? Am I mute? No. Somebody wrote mute? Trayvon. Oh, Trayvon Martin. I heard you. I heard you probably oh, okay. say. Sandra Glenn. Brianna Taylor. Michael Brown. Michael Brown. This is this is Takesha's Instagram. I know you posted it, but I just posted the link. Oh, so it's easier. Oh, maybe did, did you put your? Did you put your? Um. Link? Yeah, I could do that right now. I'm so glad you said that. Thank you, Takesha. That's that's it's really important. That's why we're here. So. Keep saying their names, y'all. Keep the foot on the gas, y'all. Yeah. All right. Well, I love you. I love you guys. Thank you so much. Love you too, Jenna. Love and peace. Love peace. And peace. Yes. Love and peace. peace. Okay. Love and peace. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks again for listening to episode three of the Green Room Talks. Thank you, Melanie, and thank you, Takesha. I really appreciate all the wisdom and I know that I was challenged. I'm sure there's many people listening that also were. So until next time, you can also check us out on YouTube, The Jenna Andrews, Instagram and Facebook at The Green Room Talks and Twitter at underscore Green Room Talks. All right, as always, till next time.